You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Um, If you'd stand with me, please. We're going to read James chapter 3. We're going to read the first 12 verses. um, And then once I'm done with that, we'll pray. And then you can be seated when I'm finished. So James chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come to church in the middle of the week, to get around fellow believers, friends, and fellowship, to hear your word preached and kind of be rejuvenated for our week leading up to Sunday. Lord, I do pray that you'll help me to say the things that would be beneficial and helpful, things that you would have me say. Holy Spirit, please help me not to try to do this of my own brain or my own heart, but help me to do what you would have me do. Lord, I pray that you be with our pastor and his family as they're away. Uh, help them to have a good time down in Oklahoma. Uh, give them safety as they travel back uh, later this week. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So a few weeks ago when I preached on Wednesday, we were in James 1, and we talked about doers and hearers, and I got all the shaving cream out or the whipped cream and put it in the beard. I'm sure you've forgotten about that completely uh, from a few weeks ago. Um, No props this week. I know. It's like, well, just turn me off now. You can see in 40 minutes. Um, No props planned, like I told Ken. I was like, I don't have any planned, but you never know. I mean, did he leave the uh, the duct tapes on? Yeah, no, no props. So, uh, nothing as entertaining, so to speak, but as I've been reading in James and just kind of continuing on, uh, it's led me to this passage, a pretty familiar passage if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, um, something that can be very convicting uh, for Christians and something that is definitely an issue with people in general, and that is the tongue, right? And so, um, as Carter, just throw you under the bus again, as Carter and I were doing math yesterday, um, I was kind of on the internet searching, and I was like, oh, let's find out what some interesting tongue facts are. Just, you know, just some random th- things about our tongue. What, tongue's pretty gross. 
tell you that right now. Like everyone's constant, you know, right now you're thinking about your tongue and your mouth, like at this exact moment, what it's doing if you're chewing gum or you just swallowed or whatever the case may be. I'm talking and it feels like it's getting really big, you know, in my mouth at the moment. I got cotton all around it. Um, the tongue is, is a pretty big deal, right, when it comes to who we are and part of our anatomy. It's a big thing, um, even though it's very tiny. The average length of his tongue is about three inches long. Let's see how many of you stuck your tongue out just to see how long it would go. So the tongue, it starts at the tip, right? But it actually goes way into the back of your throat, right? You only see about two-thirds of it. You can see, and once you get over that little hill, right, in the back, that's where the rest of the tongue is. It goes all the way back there. So about three inches long is the average tongue. Your tongue has around... 2,000, this is a pretty wide range, I don't know how they come up with this, 2,000 to 10,000 taste buds on your tongue. So you ever looked at your tongue like really close? Like whether you got a magnifying glass, like, yeah, I have. If you ever got a magnifying glass out and go to a mirror and you can see the little bumps all over your tongue, I always thought, wow, those are the taste buds. Those aren't the taste buds. There's like a dozen of, of taste buds on each one of those bumps across your whole tongue. So your tongue's got thousands and thousands of taste buds and every week, you get new ones. So they renew every week. So all the, they got to go somewhere, right? Brush your teeth, kids. Brush your tongue. It's important. Get all that old taste buds off. Um, did you know your tongue can get fat? <laughs> I mean, it's part of your body, right? If you get bigger, like if, you get, if your body gets bigger, your tongue also can get bigger. Um, and that's why a lot of times heavier set people have a harder time with sleeping because their tongue gets bigger and you get that sleep apnea, right? That kind of clogs your throat when you're sleeping. Your tongue can get fat. So if you want your tongue to get skinny, you got to go on a diet. That's how you get your tongue to get skinny and get in really good shape, get a good shaped tongue. Um, your tongue is as unique as your fingerprint. So, I, I mean, it makes sense that we do fingerprints for identification, not tongue prints, because... That just seems a lot more messy and not as sanitary. But your tongue is as unique as your fingerprints are. Nobody else has a tongue just like yours. You're unique in every way. Amazing. Uh, the only muscle in your body, the tongue is, that's not attached to the skeleton. There's parts of the muscles of your tongue that aren't attached to anything else. That's why you can roll your tongue. Or have you ever seen people that can do like waves in their tongue? Like if you have the ability to make your tongue move around in that way, those muscles aren't attached to the skeleton anywhere, whereas every other muscle in your body is attached to the skeleton to, to give that resistance, right? Um, for as far as those taste buds go, you can only taste when your tongue and the food is wet. So if your tongue is dry and you put like a lemon on your tongue, you wouldn't taste the sourness. You have to have the saliva or some kind of liquid on your tongue in order to actually taste the food or you know, if you have a toddler, the dirt that they put in their mouth. It's the only way you can taste is if it's wet. And then finally, the one big, really interesting one I thought is in Tibet, sticking your tongue out at someone is like saying hello. Around here, you know, it's rude. You te we teach our kids, don't stick your tongue out at anybody. It's rude, right? But in Tibet, if you want to say hi to someone instead of waving, or give them the sup, right? You stick your tongue out at somebody. So tonight, after we leave, if I stick my tongue out at you, I'm saying hi. All right? So I'm not being rude. It's, it's saying hi. So the tongue, there's a lot of really interesting things about the tongue's anatomy. But what we're interested in, although that is fun, is what does the Bible say about the tongue? The Bible is not as fun 
<laughs> when it comes to talking about the tongue. But there are many deeper things than taste and you know, saying hello about the tongue that the Bible says. The Bible teaches us a lot about our tongue. And we're going to go through this passage tonight and kind of see what James is telling Christians about how they speak, about what they say, about how they use their tongue, and, and warning Christians to be mindful. You know, we, every day you can come up with something new to be mindful of, right? To have, have on the front of your mind that you got to take care of, whether it's watching what you eat or, or being careful how you drive or whatever you want to take for that day and, and making sure you're conscious and aware of what's going on. We have a lot of things that can occupy our mind and our time, James is warning us that we need to be aware of our tongue and how we use it. And as Christians, it's, it's vital. So the first thing he tells us is that we should not use our tongues to lord over other people. In verse number one, it says, My brethren, be not many masters. And he's saying, you know, it's real easy as a Christian. We can get it a little, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm a born-again Christian, you know, and I see people around me that live opposite of what the Bible says. I may even see fellow Christians that aren't living up to what I think God's standards are. And it's real easy for me to use my tongue to go around and kind of lord over you. Lord over how I think the Bible says you should live. Or how the sinners in the world are terrible people and how I need to be the one to correct them and go out of my way to do, you know, to make sure that they're doing the right thing. But James tells us, be careful. Be careful about doing that. Why? Because knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Remember, we're all sinners. Surprise, you're not perfect. You woke up this morning and even though maybe you've had a really good day today, I'm guessing you've probably sinned once or twice between this morning and now. And it's real easy for us to kind of get the, if we're not careful, the lording over and using our tongue to put people in their place. And correct their mistakes. Now the Bible does tell us to reprove. He does tell us to rebuke. So this isn't saying, you can't judge me. God says, be careful. Don't be lording over me. Don't judge me. No, the Bible says we are to reprove and rebuke. But we also are to remember that we are also just as guilty. And a good rule of thumb I've always found is that whenever you find somebody else that you see their flaws, whether it be character flaws, or maybe you see sin in their life, and you feel obligated to point it out or to make a deal out of it, remember and make sure that you're judging yourself just as harshly, if not more so. If we as Christians would internalize our judgment on ourselves and look at ourselves where we need to improve, where the things that we failed and fallen short at, we'll have a lot less time to look at everybody else's issues. And if everybody did that, I mean, we would be looking to see where God would have us be and not worrying about where everyone else is. Again, preaching is important for rebuke and reproof. Teaching, the Bible does that to us. And there's nothing to be said that you can't point out things. But be careful, because remember, we're all sinners and we're all guilty at some point. So the first thing James tells us is to be careful not to use our tongue to lord over others. The second thing I think he tells us here is that if you're able to govern your tongue or to control your tongue... You're, if you're able to do that, it, the Bible uses the word perfect man. Now, that doesn't mean sinless and perfect. That just means well-balanced or complete. If we're able to govern our tongue, what we say, how we use it, the Bible says someone that's able to do that is, they understand. 
They see what God has for them. And if we can govern our tongue and control our tongue, the whole body is going to follow, meaning your lifestyle, the way you live, how, who you are as a person. It all starts right there. It all starts with your tongue. So what's implied here is that a man that's conscious of how his tongue is used and conscious of tongue sins, if I can use that phrase, sins that come from the tongue, and take care to avoid those things, the man that's able to do that is much more capable of controlling his entire self, his whole body. And we're going to get into a couple examples that James gives us. That's Again, remember, if you remember from last couple weeks ago, I love analogies. Analogies are great. They make you understand things better, and they're fun, cool things to do. James gives us two great analogies on someone that can control their tongue, what that does. And he takes here two things that we all understand. Does anybody, who, who all here has ridden horses or been around horses in their life? There's a lot of us. We are in South Dakota, for crying out loud, right? Horses are kind of a big deal. They're huge animals, are they not? And if you're not familiar with them, they can be very, very scary. Lisa's not here tonight. One, Gemma's not feeling too well. But I, she's told me a story. When she was a little girl, they went to some ranch somewhere, and they're supposed to ride some horses. And she was afraid. And, you know, horses and animals, they can smell your fear, right? They can, only, they can tell when you're afraid. Well, this horse that she was supposed to ride knew that she was afraid, and that made the horse very uncomfortable. And the horse snapped at her. I don't think it actually caught any skin or anything, but he chomped at her. She won't, she won't go near a horse for the rest of her life. She's done. That was it. That was the end of her horse riding days, horse petting days, horse anything days. All done. That one horse ruined it all. Scared her to death. And even as an adult woman, no, not going near horses. Doesn't matter. They're scary animals. They can be beastly. I mean, if an uncontrollable horse, horse that's gone mad or that's, that's a wild horse, they can cause some damage. But as James says here, he gives us an example. We put bits in the horse's mouth. And the one little piece of metal put in the mouth with straps along it, and you can make the horse do almost anything you want. You can make it turn. You can make it go faster. You can slow him down. You can make him stop. I mean, if you get really good, you can do a lot of really cool things with a horse with a little bit in its mouth. The Bible says controlling our tongue is just like controlling a horse with a bit. So if we apply that to ourselves, if we can control our tongue, we'll be able to control how we live. We'll be able to control the, the actions we do. We'll be more in control of our flesh. Right? We're, our flesh is part of us forever on this earth. Until Jesus returns and you get your perfect body, you will constantly have to battle the flesh side of you. Right? The sin part of you. The sin-cursed nature that we all are part of. Until Jesus comes back, we're all, we have to fight that every day. You have to fight that to get up when your alarm goes off. The thing that makes you want to stay in bed and not go and hit the snooze how many ever times you can before you've got to get up, that's your sin nature. Wanting to sleep in. That's your sin when you're supposed to be somewhere else. Nothing wrong with sleeping in. But when you're supposed to be somewhere and you want to put it off, that's fighting your nature. That's fighting your carnality. And the Bible tells us if we can control our tongue, we can do, go take many steps to controlling how we live in general. He continues on with another one. Uh, he talks about giant ships. Now, they didn't have cruise ships with motors, right, that they were able to do, but it's the same, same theory, same process. Just a small little helm turned by the governor or the captain of the ship will turn the ship where you want it to go. You can, you can direct these giant ships that are, 
that are huge. I mean, you ever seen any tall ships? We used to live near Chicago, and every year they would bring the tall ships with the giant masts to Navy Pier. And you could go see those things, and they're beautiful ships, huge. And you realize there's no motor on those things. They're, they're driven by the wind. And that little helm on the back, compared to the size of the ship, all they have to do is turn it one way or another, and that allows them to direct that huge, giant piece of wood or metal or whatever it is across the ocean, across the sea, just by that one little thing. So James is really trying to get to us to, for us to understand that although our tongue is little, and we may not think of it a lot of times, we may not even consider how we use it, being able to control our tongue, what we say, how we say it, who we say it to, the things that come out of our mouth can, 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 can direct and depend on which direction we are heading. You've been around someone probably in your life that just, one, maybe they have a filthy mouth, maybe they have a critical mouth, maybe they're just always talking bad about somebody, always complaining about something. You can see where their life is going. They have a personality, they have a demeanor, they just have a way about them. And usually those type of people you don't want to be around, but they just have a way about them because their tongue is directing their life that direction. Now, you've also probably been around someone that was super, super Christian-like and sweet, and everything they said was good and kind and uplifting and encouraging. And they have a demeanor about them. They're fun to be around. They're enjoyable to be around. And their life is heading a specific direction because of the way they use their tongue. The Bible is very specific, and he wants to give us that analogy to make us understand, as Christians... Right? This is to Christians, that how we talk, how we use our tongue, what we say, and how we portray it to others kind of directs our course for our life. For us, like a horse, we can be brutish and fierce. If we live in our flesh and we let our carnality take over, we can be downright mean. Brutish and fierce are good words that I think describe how we can be if, you, if we really let ourselves not care and let ourselves go. And if we live in our flesh and don't control our tongue, that's the direction we'll go. The more quick and lively your tongue is, the more you should be careful to govern it. So if you're quick with your words, if you're quick-witted, you always have a quick retort, you always know what to say, like, the, the process from here to here goes quick, and it comes out. Sometimes there's not a filter between here and here. I've used that. I've had that before. I usually, not usually, but sometimes it's when I'm talking to my wife, and maybe we're in an argument, right, or a discussion, a, he, a lively discussion. We'll, we'll use those terms. Lively discussion, and I think to say something, and it comes out, and as soon as the words leave my mouth, it's like, oh, no. Come, come, it's too late. The filter didn't work, and I used my tongue in a way that either was biting, I tried to get at her. I've done that. In an argument, I've tried to get her to win in my flesh. I've, I've misused my tongue to sting or hurt, or maybe I said just something dumb. That happens probably more than the other. And you can't get those things back. And the more quick-tongued you are, the more God says you need to, you need to work on controlling your tongue. And being in control of it, having that bit that you have to self-apply, right? As a Christian, no one's going to come and control your tongue for you as a Christian. You have to be the one that's in control. You have to be the governor of your ship. You have to be the bit in your horse's mouth. 
If you want to control your tongue, God expects you to do the work to do that. Psalm 39.1 says, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue, but I will keep my mouth with a bridle. We have to take heed to my ways, meaning the way we live, we have to, we have to own them. You have to take responsibility for how your life goes. You have to take responsibility for how you live your life. I will take heed to my ways and be careful that I don't sin with my tongue. You can sin with your tongue, and not just by saying bad words. right? It's just not the naughty bad words that are, that are the sinning with your tongue. You can sin with your tongue, like I said, by trying to sting somebody, trying to get someone, trying to get back, trying to cause hurt, trying to cause pain. There are things you can do with your tongue that will cause pain and sin. And the Bible says, I will keep my mouth with a bridle. We have to intentionally do it as Christians. An unruly horse or a wild horse, like I said, or a ship without a rudder, right? If the ship is rudderless and just there's no way to control where it goes, what happens? Catastrophe. If a horse gets out of its pen and it's wild and it's allowed to run down the streets where people are, nothing good is going to happen from that. If a ship is coming through the harbor and the rudder breaks and they can't control and steer it anymore, they, bad things are going to happen. Crashes are going to happen. Lost lives might happen. Hurt, destruction, pain is going to happen without the bit working, a horse out of control, and a ship without a rudder. The same thing, when your tongue, if you've ever been in a point in your life where your tongue is out of control, where you don't have control over your tongue, whether you've lost control over it or you just don't care, because some of us, I've been there, and you might have been there before too, where you just don't care what you say. You ever had said that to me? You know what, I don't care what, I, if you, you don't like what I say, tough, but I'm going to say it. I don't care if you care. That kind of attitude with how we speak and how we talk, that type of out-of-controlness, only chaos comes from that. A tongue without control by God. And as he says here, <clears throat> as we continue on, uh, let's see here, verse number... Well, we're going to get to verse number 7. But you can't control it on your own. That is also the point. You yourself, as your person, you can't do it on your own. You need God. Plain and simple. As is everything in our life. You need God. You need the Holy Spirit's guidance. When I, when I stand up here and I pray, and I honestly pray to the Holy Spirit and say, please control what I say. If there's something you don't want me to say, make me not see it in my notes. Take it out of my mind. If there's something that I need to say, bring it to my mind. Because I don't want to stand up here and tell you what I think. I don't want to stand up here and tell you what I... Because I don't know. I'm, I'm not... I don't... It's not me. I need the Holy Spirit to, sh- to tell me and show me and help me. For us with our tongues, if we want to control our tongues as the Bible is telling us to, you can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit specifically to help us with that. Because if we don't, eventually our whole body, our whole life will turn into chaos if we aren't able to control our tongue. The right management of, of the tongue is really, in, in a great measure, management of your whole entire body, your whole life. If you're able to control that, what you say, how the words come out, you can, in essence, control where your life goes. So, continuing on, verse number 5 and 6. As we continue, it tells us that the tongue is a little member, but it causes a lot of issues. So, what the Bible is telling us is that we should dread, fear, an unruly tongue. We should dread and fear that we ever get to the point that our tongue is unruly. What a scary thought to have an unruly tongue based on what it tells us here. It tells us that the tongue, verse 5, is a little member, but it boasteth great things. 
Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. All it takes is a little spark, a little fire, and to cause a lot of destruction. Chicago Fire, right? Everyone in the, was it early or late, in the 1800s, Chicago Fire, all the streets and the sidewalks are all made of wood. city is bustling and growing, and supposedly, according to legend, some, I think it was the O'Leary's, because that sounds about right for Chicago, the O'Leary's cow kicked over a lantern in the barn, which caused a spark, which caused the hay to catch on fire, which caused the barn to catch on fire, and thereby caused almost a big portion of the city to just burn up into flames, killing 300 people. Uh, I think 100,000 people without homes, burning businesses, went through downtown, burnt up huge portions of the city because a cow kicked over a lantern, started a spark, started a fire, according to legend. Either way, all it takes is a little spark, and it... And you know what? What does that sound like concerning the tongue? A little fart spark that just goes everywhere? Gossip. Ever start a rumor? Whether you did it on purpose or not, but you heard something, and you don't know if it's true, so you went and either you asked somebody else if they heard about it too. Maybe they heard, and maybe they have more information. And then, oh, they didn't have any more information, but now that person's going to go to another person and see if they have more information. And pretty soon, this little spark of a rumor that maybe it's your business, maybe it's not, it's probably not if you're just going around asking other people, has spread. And you have this fire that's going throughout this huge group of people, all because he's spreading this little rumor, asking these little questions, using the tongue in a way that seems innocent. It's just a little, I just need a little information, just want to know about something, and we can start a huge fire based on our tongue. The Bible gives us a lot of information about this fire. He tells us what the fire is from. Verse uh, number six, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, that means sin, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. The tongue can, can defile everything about you if we can't control it. It setteth on fire the course of nature. And what kind of fire is it? It is set on fire of hell. I don't think any Christian that is here or anywhere would ever want to be accused of or think that they're part of doing anything that's from hell. But the Bible says if we can't control our tongue, and we let it do what it's going to do naturally, it's like, it's like spreading hellfire. And that doesn't just mean hot fire, that means wicked, sinful, meant for the devil, fire by our tongue. As Christians, we can do this if we don't control it. What's the devil known for? This is, these are very specific words, as I believe. What's the devil known as? He's a liar. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's a deceiver. That's, those are all tongue sins. Those are all things done by speaking. That's what the devil is known for. And if we're right in there along with him, if we lie, if we accuse the brethren, if we're deceivers, we are doing the same sins that the devil himself commits and spreading a fire that's of hell. That terrifies me. I don't know about you. But to think that I could be part of that, to think that I could spread that, even accidentally, without even really trying, just being myself, without the Holy Spirit's help, that terrifies me. And I don't want to have any part of that. I don't want to have any part of spreading that fire around with my tongue, with what I say, with how I say it. I, I, I want to 
govern my tongue. I want to control my tongue to make sure that I'm in line with what the Holy Spirit and what God wants me to be, not what the devil would just love for me to do. So be careful. Dread, we should dread and be fearful of an unruly tongue. Verses 7 and 8, the Bible also tells us we're supposed to govern our tongue, but we can't do it by ourselves. And he gives us an example of how that is the case. Verse 7, it says, For every kind of beast and birds and serpents and things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed by mankind. And you can go to the aquarium and you can see fish from the ocean in a giant tank of water. Right? We can, we can tame birds. We can have parrots that, that we talk. They speak to us. Right? You can, you can tame birds. You can tame serpents. We can tame all these wild animals. We talked about horses already. You can, you ever, have you seen that video where the bear's sitting there like this? Side of the road waving. They wave at the bear and the bear goes like this. He waves. He's been trained to, you know, not devour humans immediately. He just waves at them, tricks them, and then he devours them later. But we were able to tame any, almost every beast that's on this earth. We can, mankind has been able to tame and can, and can at least contain. Maybe you can't ride them all, right? It's, you know, you can't domesticate them maybe. But we've tamed every animal, everything, almost on this earth. But verse number eight. But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. That's what's in your mouth right now. And what you use every day to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to the lost. That's what's in our mouth. And if it's left to do what it does naturally, what you're, you will do and how you will use it naturally, that is what it is. It's unruly. It's evil, and it's full of deadly poison. And the Bible makes it specific that no man can tame it. The only person that can help you tame it is the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you're going to be able to tame your tongue and make sure it's used for God and not for the devil is through the Holy Spirit. And James is bringing it to our mind to make sure, I mean, this is a big portion of Scripture. This is a lot of verses getting, trying to get it to our heads. To, do you understand how important this is? This is a big deal. And you, all, you, you struggle with it. I guarantee you, there's not a person alive that does not struggle with their tongue. Even if you're the nicest person in the whole wide world, you struggle with it. You may have that under control, and that's why you're the nicest person in the whole world. But you struggle with it, and it takes effort. And it takes work, not just on your part, but the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit as your teammate. You need the Holy Spirit to supernaturally help you control your tongue. Because if you try to do it on your own, you might do good for a while, but you know what? You're going to slip up and you're going to fail. And I, if, as I'm studying, God always makes things happen in my life when I'm ready to preach. To just like, I don't know if he's just trying to prove it, you know, just give, to give me an example to say. But I work at Zesto. Some of you have been there. It's a restaurant. And I have a headset that I wear all day long, right? Just to hear the drive through orders. And I don't know how you are when you drive through. I'm sure everybody here, when you order and drive through, perfect customers know exactly what to do. But not everybody's that way. A lot of people don't, either they've never been there before, or they just, they ask for, I, we get asked for blizzards a lot. <laughs> Said the word. Whew. Don't let my dad hear that, I'll be in trouble. Um, we sell avalanches, because blizzards, blizzards trademarked by Dairy Queen, we can't sell them that way. So we sell avalanches, just like Milky Way does, right? Um, and people will ask for things, and they'll do things. And I find myself, if I'm not careful, I'll find myself, as I'm sitting there working and listening, I'll find myself going, oh, what an idiot. Come on. We don't, 
how stupid are you? And I was, I'm not saying it to them. They can't have to push a button for them to hear me, which I would never do that, right? But I'll say, I'll say it to my brother. Like, do you believe this guy? Who is this guy? Have they ever been here before? Do they, can they not read a menu? What's wrong with these people? Do they, go, what, do they not go to school? And what, what am I doing? Is it harmless? Sure, it's harmless, but I'm, man, talk about a biting tongue, a critical tongue, a just rude and downright just mean tongue. And I did that today, right before I preached this message. I did it. And as soon as I did it, I went, oh, man. The Holy Spirit went, all right, well, you have an example. I don't know if you want to use this, it's kind of embarrassing, but you have an example of how people struggle with this every day. And I, and I realized, as I looked at myself, I, this is something I struggle with every single day. And if I don't control it, if I don't ask the Holy Spirit to help me, I'm going to be a big old jerk every day. I'm going to say critical things. I'm going to be mean. And you know when it's really bad? This happened to me one time. Is when you say something out loud, negative, and just rude, and then they drive up and you're like, oh no, I know that person. Oh no, I know who that is. Oh man, I just, and then you're like, oh wow, you are a jerk. At that point, you're a jerk. There's no way around it. You said something rude and mean, and then you know them, and you feel terrible. That has happened to me. So if, you're, if we just do it on our own, or if we do nothing about it, and we don't ask the Holy Spirit to help us, that's what happens. Now you probably have your own stories. You have your own instances in your life where you're dealing with things in school, or work, or friends, or family, and you find yourself just doing that. Because that's natural. And God says... That's not okay. That's like spreading hellfire. We don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So we, I need to make sure that it's a conscious thing, that I think about the things I say, how I say them, and I ask the Holy Spirit to help me and keep that under control because I can't do it on my own. And God gives us a little bit of uh, extra reason to do that, calls us a little bit of a hypocrite here, right? Verse number uh, 10, or verse number 9. The Bible says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. We come to church, we say amen. I come to church and I preach God's word. I stand up here behind this pulpit in this really cushy little pad here, which is real nice, and I, and I preach God's word and, I, and I, I declare what the Bible says. And then I, just a few hours ago at work, I was, I was not cursing with bad words, but I was speaking negatively about people who are made in God's image. Not just your best friends, not just your family, not just us here in this room, but the people out there, the people that drive terribly, the people that are lost, the people that maybe even are wicked, right? We, we as Christians, we have, uh, we're very political sometimes, and we say really bad things about the people that don't agree with us politically. Are those people not made in God's image? Of course they are. Is it a Christian thing to do to talk negatively and badmouth and criticize and make fun of? And no, that's exactly the same. That's, that's exactly what God is saying. You don't get to choose this people. I get to talk bad about this people. Well, when I'm church, I'm going to say amen because I got my nice clothes on and I'm, I'm godly here. But then the real world, then I'll curse man and, and, and talk negatively. We're hypocrites. We are. We have to be careful about that. We have to make sure that we understand it's not just looking like Christians. And earlier in James, I talked about being religious and putting on the air of religion. I think this kind of ties back to that. We look the part. 
we talk the part at church, but then when we're away and we're with other men, other people, then we talk completely different. And we criticize. And we, cur- and we curse with, maybe not curse words, but we spread that and spew that vile poison that the Bible talks about. We can't address our creator with reverence and then talk brawling language to those around us that are made in his image. It's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. If we're able to control our tongue with the Holy Spirit's help, it will help us in all our actions, in all our life. How much would our life be different? How much would it change? How much would some of the sins we find ourselves committing be prevented if we could make ourselves be consistent in how we address God and how we address people? If we treated people the same way we treat God and speak to him, how many things would that just prevent us from going down a path, prevent us from getting to a certain place? By controlling our tongue, we control our whole person. And I think James gives us very good analogies, and the Bible gives a very pretty serious warning to how we speak and how we use our tongue. We'll pray, and then uh, we'll have a few moments of prayer. Let's pray together. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.